Welcome to the Wellness Champions Network podcast. I'm host Sarah McGuinness. The Wellness Champions Network is a group of leaders from around the globe who are passionate about well-being. In the network, we learn, share and connect with colleagues and well-being experts alike. We believe that by working together, we can build a happier, healthier world where everyone has the opportunity to thrive. In this podcast, we're joined by Mary Abbott, Human Resources Advisor at ECAN. ECAN, or Environment Canterbury, began its wellbeing journey back in 2017. Its current vision is to have a culture where the wellbeing of its people is at the heart of everything that it does. It has an integrated Māori perspective and four pillars of wellbeing, being physical, mental and emotional, social and spiritual. The pillars are across three dimensions, being individual, organisational and environmental. In this discussion, Mary shares her insights for building a comprehensive wellbeing strategy and her tips for setting up a program for success. We have been on, I guess, on a, we call it a wellbeing adventure rather than a journey because we don't really have a set destination. It probably started a year before I got here. Um, So someone else in the HR team kind of did all of the groundwork of creating a strategy and thinking up where we wanted to go in this space and then I took it over when I arrived. So we started off with kind of the big picture in terms of a vision and a framework, what we wanted wellbeing to look like at Environment Canterbury. I do have a couple of slides, so those on the podcast, but they're just pretty pictures to go with it. (laughs) Um, So this is our wellbeing framework. So what we did is we really wanted to embed the Māori uh, model of wellbeing, so we work closely with Naitahu here at Environment Canterbury. We partner with them. You can see, obviously, the lovely tukutuku panels in this room. So we wanted that to be a really important part of, or a cornerstone of our strategy. Uh, so we came up with this. We've got four pillars of wellbeing, which are kind of like the, um, well, the pillars that hold up a roof, I guess, in a fuddy. We've got physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual. And then we look at that across three different tiers within the organisation. So the organisational or the big picture level, environmental, what's going on in the bigger world, uh, and then individual level, so right back down to how we can help people on a one-on-one basis. We have an overarching uh, vision up the top, and that's really about wanting wellbeing to be embedded within our culture. We want it to be just a part of what people do, so rather than it being... Oh, another HR thing that we have to do, you know, tick the box and HR are making me do this kind of stuff. We want it to be business-led. Uh, you know, we put a bit of time and energy into doing the background structures, but the business really should be leading this and embedding it and everyone should be leaving, living and breathing it every day. Uh, so, yeah, we started off with that and then obviously where we moved to from there is when I came in, we created an action plan and we decided kind of a, a two-year action plan, so it started mid-2018, uh, and we're about to kind of go into the next phase now. And part of the action plan was deciding that actually is wanting it to be business-owned, we set up a wellbeing champions group. So we decided that the best way to do that would be to have wellbeings aligned with each of those four pillars of wellbeing, and they can kind of champion those areas. We went out to the business asking people to apply We weren't sure how many people we'd get. We thought, well, maybe one person per pillar. And then we had heaps of applications, so we ended up with two per pillar to form eight people in the group. And then we had a a number of supporters as well, so people who didn't have as much time to put into it, uh, but also wanted to help out ad hoc things. 
So that was kind of the formation of the group and we've been working through, I guess, our plan and our strategy since then. Yeah, so we've done, obviously we've done lots of events which bring on people. We've got the supporters out there. Uh, we try and encourage people to discuss wellbeing in their team meetings. So we've always had, or each team is given kind of a set agenda of things they have to talk about and one of them was health and safety. You know, has anything happened since last time? Or how are you going? And so we kind of added in wellbeing within that. So people are talking about how you're going in a positive sense as well as have you been hurt or is there any cords in your way or things like that. Uh, and then obviously our leaders has been a really important part of it. So the Wellbeing Champions group is has an executive sponsor uh, who's always been really good at championing this at our executive level. And actually at the moment she's the acting CE, so that's even better. Uh, so it's really coming right from the top down and we've incorporated a lot of our wellbeing principles and um, I guess ideas into our leadership because obviously I do leadership as well so I get to organise all of our leadership meetings our senior leaders meet every six weeks and our whole leadership force, every people leader uh, meets quarterly so I've been doing you know, sessions, getting in external speakers um, we've had some discover sessions so we had, had Catherine come in to talk um, as well and a few other people coming in to talk about different aspects of well-being. I think as a principle it's been really well received so everyone understands why it's important. We've never had, we've got quite a good culture here that we've never had any resistance to the fact that well-being is a good idea. There's probably a little bit more difference in terms of how people put it into practice. Um, some people probably need reminding a bit more often that that's what they need to be focusing on and get stuck in your day-to-day -day and just different management styles and things also interact with how people feel uh, managers are looking after their well-being. But that's always a challenge that every organisation has got. We don't touch on it in huge depth uh, in, during induction, but we do have a lot of um, areas so like well-being, we've got social clubs, we've got a diversity and inclusion guidance group as well, so looking at that other side. And we kind of introduce all of our new starters into that. Uh, we've got an e-learning module that they kind of step their way through in the first month, and it leads them to the internal intranet sites with all of our wellbeing things, so they kind of get a gentle introduction uh, to what's going on at that organisational level. And then as they get into their role, they can start participating in the events a bit more. We do have, as I said, we've got an intranet where we've kind of done a few different things. Uh, we've looked at, I guess, part of what we were doing when we started on our wellbeing journey was also looking at, we're already doing lots of different wellbeing things. Lots of things were related to wellbeing, but they're all just all over the place. So bringing it into a kind of joint initiative so it makes it look like it's a whole thing that, look at all the stuff we already do, which is amazing, and then add more into it. So we've created a, a couple of pages of internal and external tools and resources. So our external tools and resources is uh, our wellbeing toolkit, which is essentially a link of heaps of resources that people can go to, websites, um, you know, all right, the Mental Health Foundation, they've got so many good things. And it's just putting it at managers and employees' fingertips. They don't have to go searching too far. We've assigned it under the different pillars of wellbeing so people can go and have a look at what kind of what those pillars mean and the different types of things they can do to research themselves and tools for managers to help have those discussions and things. And then our internal resources, we've also got kind of listed 
in there as well as lots of other places so people can see how they all come together. So things like our policies, you know, flexible working, uh, OCP, we've got lots of sponsorship for sports events, um, personal development scholarships, our training, our development, all of those things really help towards wellbeing. Uh, so it's kind of putting it front of mind and showing them all in one place. So we have a newsletter that goes out every week called Puna to all staff and the Wellbeing Champions group has a monthly spot in Puna so we always put something in every month and then we also have spaces for feature articles whenever something important happens um, throughout the year and we've got a couple of bigger ticket events that we run every year. So we have a February Fitness Challenge which the whole organisation participates in and it runs... Um, well, for the month of February, but we put all of our employees into five different teams, and it's been different each time, so sometimes it might be the different levels of the building with our, all of our different sites in different areas, sometimes it's different sections together, so they kind of mix it up every year, and then everyone logs their activity hours. So people just um, you know, log in 15 minute lots, how much activity they've done every day, and there's a daily tracker with a bar chart so people can see how they're going with lots of great prizes for people, spot prizes. And then we have a, an ECAN's Got Talent, which is kind of more of our social pillar, uh, but we run that once a year, and that's a really fun event where lots of people do crazy things. And then the last two years, we've also done Mental Health Awareness Week. So the Wellbeing Champions have, or I've worked together with them, to have kind of a, a whole week's worth of events, and it's really big, big push. We've got posters, we have um, you know physical newsletters, lots of different events. It's a little bit small there, but you can see things like lunchtime walks, yoga, uh, painting sessions. We had a room set up where people could paint things the first year, and they each made. A, uh, a feather that we then put together into a big set of wings which is displayed in our big meeting room. Uh, we've had lunchtime talks, tai chi, uh, planting days. I've got a few fun photos. These are just for your eyes. I won't take them out because I didn't ask permission from these people. <laughs> but uh, like this is our planting, plant a seed day. We've got our director of finance and corporate services planting his own seed there. We had an... Uh, Ninja Warrior event right. last year. So, cool. so just up and down the back there, the teams dressed up and did lots of little crazy obstacle courses. We've had, as I said, talks uh, where we got a couple of ARA students in to come and talk about nutrition and physical health. We have had Tai Chi and yoga, lunchtime quizzes about well-being, so it gets people thinking about like what are the five different types of well-being? What are the four pillars of our well-being model? And some fun things, so seeing how well people know things. So we try and just yeah, have a really fun day or a fun week. We've got lots of different sites, so obviously some of these things are only based at our large site, but we try and, like lunchtime talks, we stream as well so people can watch them via Skype. We've got things uh, like photo competitions and colouring in and charity donations and things that can be done at all of the, all of the sites, and we send them you know, little packs with posters and activities and things as well so they don't feel left out. I think the challenges are probably keeping the group going. Uh, I coordinate the Wellbeing Champions group, so at the start it was really exciting, it was great, all the people were really happy and into it, 
it's only like a tiny weeny part of my role so I've got to try and fit it in amongst everything else and then as we had turnover of the champions with having to recruit new people it's hard to try and find the people that are willing um, and also we've got the way our time coding works uh, managers have to be willing to give their people up for a few hours you know every month to have the time to do this so that's probably yeah that's probably the hardest part but also making sure that like I said we really want to embed well-being as a culture we don't want the well-being champions group or well-being just to be seen as someone that runs a few events a couple of times a year it needs to be more than that so while we do do all of the events it also needs to make sure that people understand all of those other things that are encompassed within well-being. I try and take on the coordination of the group, so setting up meetings, making sure that people are doing minutes, um, and making sure these things are actually getting done, chasing people up. But I want them to take the ownership of it, so they're the ones that come up with what type of events. They'll all own different ones to run and organise. They'll get in the support of the wellbeing supporters to do it. Um, so it's very much led by them. There, at the start of the program, when they were first looking at the strategy, uh, they ran a wellbeing survey. It was actually more focused around health in the end, to, you know, it was quite in depth. We got quite a low uh, participation rate because it felt quite personal and perhaps we hadn't gone about it in the right way of saying what this information is for. Um, so we did look at that, but we decided we weren't going to run that again, so we don't have comparison benchmarks on that. But we do obviously look at attendance of the different events and decide, are we going to do them again based on attendance? We've got a staff survey, an annual staff survey. We use Ask Your Team, and one of the questions is around health, safety and wellbeing. So we use that to track uh, and measure how we're going. We get really great results from that, actually. It's always in our kind of top ten... We've just finished rerunning the Ask Your Team survey in early May, and our, that standard question went up 5% from last year, and we're 8% higher than the local government benchmark, so our people are saying great things about that. And then obviously in all of the comments, the custom questions that we use, wellbeing is a strong theme coming through, that people are happy and um, think it's you know one of our strong points. So. Those are the kind of the main measures that we use. Part of this was the two-year action plan was around resilience. So last year, 2019, with our leaders, the whole annual theme for all of our leadership uh, meetings and forums was resilience. So we had a really big focus on what that means at different levels, how you can uh, implement it, how it kind of fits in. So there was a lot of upfront information and learning for people and they were taking it back to their teams at different levels. So I think that was a really good, it meant we were in a really good place for when COVID happened this year. Yeah, our support for our staff has been kind of front of mind for everybody. Wellbeing and welfare in general has been something which all of our leaders right from the chief executive down has been thinking about how we look after our people first and foremost. We need to get stuff done still but everyone's at home how do we transition them in how do we make sure everyone's doing okay at home how do we check in uh, we had a crisis management team is what they called it a group come together with looking at lots of different parts and welfare was one of those main functions so I helped co-lead that response and it's been excellent with our recent staff survey that was one of the main 
themes and comments that came out is that people were just really impressed with how we've handled it. Uh, you know, we gave people time. We weren't asking them to do their whole eight hours a day if they didn't, if they couldn't. If they're at home with kids, do what you can. Focus on productivity rather than hours. It's not, you know, that's not important. Look after yourself. Um, we had leave codes and things and asking lots of resources for managers on how to check in, how to adapt to doing virtual check-ins with people, you know, what, how to go beyond saying, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Okay, cool. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, it's been really good. I think it is just being, just being really consistent with that message around being kind and trying not to do too much. You know, reprioritise, sit down. What doesn't need to be done now? What can you think about shifting or how else can you do something differently? And it's a good time to be innovative if we can because we've got all of these different things that are coming up. So how can we turn it into a positive as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We had all of the resources and things in place that we could just say, hey, all of this information's already here. We've been adding to it as we go with new articles and things coming out COVID-specific related. Uh, but we already had all of that information there for people, uh, which was really useful. And over lockdown, we also ran another a wellbeing survey so we checked in with our people leaders and then we went out and checked in with everybody to just see how they're going if there's any extra support that they need how they're feeling connected to people you know how positive are they feeling we didn't go into detail around mental health because we felt that you know that should be more of a manager one-on-one -on -one conversation we didn't want to take the onus off the managers looking after their people but it was more generic things around you know, if we want to ask information, what's going to be useful at the organisational level? What can our executives do with that information? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite good timing that our strategy was coming to a, an end in June 2020. Yes. And we've decided to take a few more months. We don't need to, you know, if it runs on a few months, it's fine. But we're going to try and consolidate all of that together and decide how can we, you know, we've made these great gains over lockdown. Everybody's talking about wellbeing and putting that first and thinking about how you can look after yourself. Um, we've dusted off our flexible working policy, so people are, we've got until the 1st of July to transition back into the office slowly, and then from then people can apply for working from home or other types of flexible working. So how can we keep all of those gains moving forwards into the future and not just go back to what we were doing before? I think flexible working is the main one, but the other thing that I find has really helped has been the consistent wellbeing messaging from the top. So as well as our weekly newsletter with all sorts of things, we have a weekly chief executive blog uh, and the welfare team has been writing kind of key bullet points or key messages every week to give to our comms team to incorporate and it's been working really well. So we're just going to keep doing that for the foreseeable future, kind of influencing that right from the top down. I probably don't have one off the top of my head. I do know that some of our wellbeing champions have just found the fact that they're able to come in and take ownership of the strategy and do events and go out and talk to people rather than, like I said, it being an HR thing. They've found that really empowering. Um, so, you know, being able to own it and do it themselves. So we want to make sure that we keep that onus as well. And as I said, the challenge is making sure that we have willing volunteers that want to put their time into that and how can we recruit them and keep them going on that journey. Yeah. I think anything you do, is good. You know, there's, if you look at your own organisations, everyone's probably already doing well-being things. So it's just a sense of bringing it all together and making it seem like a coherent whole. 
uh, and the storytelling, like you said, putting it together and people seeing that all of these things are actually wellbeing things and we're doing a really good job, so how can we do better? We do also do more formal training courses in terms of wellbeing and incorporate that into lots of different things, but just the, the little bite-sized parts I think are the most useful that leaders can then take back to their team meetings and things as well. Some of the things like mindfulness and meditation is probably a key thing that people say, oh, you know, my wellbeing program is a dot of yoga and mindfulness and yay, we've got one, well done. Um, some people love it, some people are like, oh, no, no, I'm not a, I don't want to meditate, I'm not that kind of person. So offering up lots of different options I think is the most useful. So people can connect in different ways because well-being really is does mean something different to everybody. Thanks again for listening today. It's been great to have you along. If you're keen to join the Wellness Champions Network, head along to myhealthrevolution.co.nz and follow the links to subscribe. If you're in the network, thanks again and we look forward to catching up with you really soon.